This episode of the Fabulous Learning Nerds is sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTIs, counselor, and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. So it's that time of year when we say goodbye to the past and look ahead with hope into the future. Looking ahead is great, but I would challenge all of us to remember the great things that happened last year. And more importantly, all the things we learned. Our world is changing faster than ever, which can be scary. But if we combine our positive learnings with the unbridled anticipation of what is possible, then tomorrow will be greater than the most amazing story you could ever dream of. So with that, we'd like to wish you and yours an amazing new year. From the Nerds. They are the fabulous learning nerds. Because if you're tired of the old ways of getting it done, you've got the fabulous learning nerds. Scott, Dan, and Zeta are making it fun. The best ideas that you've ever heard. So everybody spread the word. They're going to keep you with turning the fabulous learning nerds. Fabulous learning nerds. Oh, yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another fantastic episode of your fabulous learning nerds. I'm Scott Shooter, your host. And with me, Dan the Man. Oh, Dan, you've been good this year. That's amazing. Darn tootin'. What's up, Scott? How you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. So, whoo, we got through that. We got through the holiday, mostly, right? And now we've got uh, the new year. So, um, I've got a date this week with my Xbox and the couch is uh, what I've got this week. Uh, Absolutely. How about you? How are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm fair to Midland, so I asked, but I'm super curious. What are you playing? Ah, you got it. You were going to ask me not to play it? No. Are you you feeling okay, sir? Are you feeling all right? I mean, you know, I'm just saying. The holidays. (laughs) What are you playing? You said you're getting on your couch with your Xbox. Oh, oh, oh. Um, I I have, I'm a Diablo nerd, so I've got the new Diablo. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And I've got the, I'm playing through, I was playing through two and then I got the X and then I'm like, let's see what this did. And like, oh my gosh. Yeah. You know, I love that. And then uh, I also have, um, and my wife is watching, um, there's a horror adventure called the, um, the quarry. Have you heard of this? Yeah. No. Oh, it's awesome. It's like an 80s slasher video game that you play along with the um, uh, school counselors at a, at a uh, camp where there's a murderer running around. It's, it's quite great. And um, do you know, I have been playing a game with friends of the show, Joey Acklin and Ruben Corbett, uh, called Lethal Company. Ooh. And it's this little tiny, I don't want to say little tiny game. I feel like that's, that's derogatory, but it's a, it's a game where 
you play a bunch of um, workers and you have to go off into incredibly dangerous situations and find scrap metal and scrap stuff and bring it back. And it's a kind of dark comedy survival horror. Uh, Zeta can speak to it. She's been played. She's played with us a couple times as well. And it is a hoot. And I definitely think uh, that just in between the breaks, I'm going to be playing some more of that. Awesome. That that sounds great. I want to know more about this game, so let's um, let's go ahead and waste no more time and and bring in um, the Duchess of Design. You love her. Z girls here. Z girl. Scott, how you doing? So you're playing this. You're playing this game. Yes, yes. I got talked in um, kind of against my will because I don't like scary survival horror kind of games. I'm just, I don't have the nerve for it. But yeah, they're like, yeah, this is going to be fun. You should play. And I'm like, yeah, okay. It's it's only $10 on Steam. I'll, I'll give it a go. Mm-hmm. And it's terrifying. There's, it's like <laughs> low poly enough to like make it kind of scary. And uh, all the different kinds of monsters that you come across have their own unique set of um, how they see you, how they can track you, and it's 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 fun. Okay. It's really fun. We'll to check I'm that glad out. It, okay. I'm glad it jumped in. Yeah, yeah. I want to drop one thing before we transition over. I'm going to drop it. We can talk about it on another show. I just want this to mm-hmm. work its way in. I think one of the best trainings ever made is the first level of Super Mario Brothers. I'll talk more about that, but I just want to drop Not that. Not Oregon now. Trail. You're 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 comparing nope. this to Oregon Trail, which was oh, fantastic. Or- Oregon Trail's great, but not even close. Best example of good training. First mm-hmm. level Super Mario Brothers. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, interesting. Interesting. So I'm going to need to think, figure out what our fabulous guest, who did not come here to talk about video games, by the way, has to say about all this. And we're going to learn all about our fabulous guest in our very own segment that we call What's Your Deal? Hey, man. What's your deal? Preeton. Hey, Scott. Hey, what's your deal, my friend? So my deal right now is to help teachers navigate the age of AI. And, and we're doing a lot of different things to help them do that. We, uh, we offer PD, um, I have a book, we offer courses. Um, and then we have really important conversations about what the large-scale reforms that will be necessary will look like. And hopefully, that's what it was today. Yeah. Can I jump in real quick and just make sure that like, I, I understand? You said PD, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm acronym dumb. What, what do you mean when you say PD? Yeah. Professional development. Awesome. Yeah, that's cool. So how did you get into this? I think that's that's the important part. So I, I get that we're going to have a great conversation about all this stuff, but what um, what led you here? Where, where did you get your start? How did you get here? Yeah, um, that's kind of really weird. So this is going to take a bit. Um, that's awesome. But I started my um, first ed tech venture in high school. Um, I was a high school sophomore. Um, and we tried to develop like an online tutoring platform to help like students uh, practice for the New York State Regis exam. Um, and we kind of worked on that for four years. We got some cool grants from Macy's and Walmart to get that going. Um, and then kind of like used that um, initial experience. Now we've had some different interventions in education. Um, I spent most of college like thinking about um, education philosophy um, as a philosophy major. Took some time to work on projects on mastery learning, building custom solutions for folks, 
Um, and then during the pandemic, we did a lot of work with institutions navigating COVID-19 pandemic, transitioning online learning, trying to figure out innovative ways to serve with activities. Um, while I also got my master's um, in education management policy. Um, so a lot of various um, exposures. Um, throughout this time, I also like, taught in Korea for a little bit, taught in a special ed classroom in New York, um, hosted a summer camp every summer. Um, and so all this kind of like culminates um, in trying to think about like what what does education need to look like long run to best serve us? That's kind of a, a theme amongst all the projects. Um, and AI has always been like back of my head, this really cool thing that I was really excited about. Um, I was like in college, one of my um, computer science projects was like working on a language learning tool. Um, and I first looked into like the large lear- learning models then, language models then. Uh, and then, you know, we always want my clients, oh, like, wait until we have AI to do this part. And we can be like so much better serve our students on this way and this way. Um, and then when like the technology became more accessible about a year and a half ago, uh, a little bit less than that, um, we we were really excited. We were like, okay, a lot of things that we've been dreaming about for the last few years can actually like be done overnight. Um, we can actually like implement these things into the platforms we're already building. Um, and same time, we started hearing folks freaking out. Um, we were like, you know, some of our clients from the COVID nineteen pandemic were like, "Oh, like, what are y'all doing in terms of thinking about this crisis?" I was like, "Crisis? Like, what? what wait, where's the crisis?" And that's kind of when we started like uh, really dig deep into. Okay, folks are nowhere close to the crisis I am right now. Uh, and we kind of help folks kind of figure out how to deal with short term problems this is creating for folks real um, before we can talk about you know, fun and goal launch central. Great experience. Love it. And I'm super excited about our topic today because everybody's talking about it, right? So how does AI affect what I do? Um, and for those of us that have kids, like, and my kid has grown up, but uh, everybody around like, oh my gosh, how am I going to talk about this with my kid? How is it going to affect how they learn? Um, so this is super awesome. I'm super excited to to uh, get into it. So without further ado, everybody, let's dive into our topic of the week. This week, we're discussing the most important conversations to have with our students in the age of artificial intelligence, in the age of AI. Wow. That big topic, pretty wide topic. Um, You know, if we're going to start anywhere, I feel like the best place to start is um, with the myths, right? So what's the most pervasive myth surrounding AI and education, right? So if we think, in, think about it, right, how can we help people feel better about it? What, what's the biggest myth that's out there and, and what's the truth behind it? Yeah. Um, I don't know if this is going to make a lot of people feel better about it, but um, I think the biggest myth that I, we've been encountering lately um, is that AI detectors do not work. There's no way really to figure out if your students are using AI in their assignments. Um, lots of folks are trying to come up with band-aid solutions or paying for various detectors. Like a lot of universities are throwing lots of research out there showing that they don't work and don't work universally well. Um, we've talked to some teachers who are finding ways to um, record a student's screen while they write an essay, all sorts of interventions that seem really band-aid-y. Um, and the minute one new solution comes out, we see a TikTok video of some student explains to the rest of their fellow students on TikTok and around it. Um, and so I think that chasing this like AI detection um, is definitely the biggest myth that there will be some way to detect AI. Um, and I think this is where like the first conversation we can talk about um, that you need to have with your students is, is uh, the fact that we need to rethink what cheating means outside of the classroom. Um, and we're going to start having conversations about what we, what academic integrity, honesty, 
um, and the value of those things and why why we care. You know, I I, I definitely as as ChatGPT and like some of the other large language models have like risen up and they become more and more part of like our daily lives. I, I heard the same thing. Lots of people talking about like, oh, here's this way to detect AI. And, you know, like I've, I've seen even more like the rise of like, oh, like, you know, none of this was written by AI. None of this was generated by AI. And uh, I mean, like, that's the goal. And like, that's something that like the people behind AI who are working towards is like, hey, making making this tool be nearly, if not totally imperceptible from from like human generated content. And I, I've always found it kind of perplexing when people are like, oh yeah, here's this AI tool. It detects if people have written AI. Like, like how? Like, are you are you looking for just bad writing? Because I know plenty of people who are bad writers. You know, um, I've I, I I've heard a couple teachers say that the thing they look for is a sudden switch in grammar skills. Like they'll have students who will go from like, you know, oops, I forgot punctuation, oops, I forgot capitalization. So all of a sudden they're like, they're brilliant. Grammarists. I don't think that's a word, but I'm gonna run with it. Overnight, and like they, they, they now they know it's like, oh well, they're probably using like AI, but that's the only detection method I've heard. That's sounds like it makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, and even that, like we're you know the the, the really fascinating to see the amount of information that's spread on TikTok among students, um, especially when it comes to cheating. Um, and folks are learning how to like tell ChatGPT, like give ChatGPT a sample of something they've written already and ask it to mimic the same like writing style and mimic the same mistakes. Um, and like it's just, it's such a terrible game to be playing on both ends. Like if as educators, like trying to like play this game of low, how we're going to catch our students, students trying to figure out ways to get around it. Um, it just, it really starts to make the entire educational enterprise like seem a little, um, ridiculous at that level. Uh, when it comes down to it, the reason why these students are are writing is to show their skill and develop their skill and become better at it, right? And and in a way, using AI, I would argue that it can be like a tool to help them know what good looks like, so they can have like a model to 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 be able to emulate. So could could AI kind of help in that sector, like help students become better writers? Is that a yeah? And the the recent data supports that. Like, there's good surveys coming out after this fall that show that most students are not using it to cheat. Um, like most, the cheating rates have not dramatically gone up in the last year. Um, there's a lot of fear about it, capabilities, um, and the potential to cheat is really high. Um, but students aren't using it that way. And um, what we're hearing from students directly is that they want to just know how they can use it. There are right, like we all know the productive uses of it. Um, and so I think they want to hear from the teachers that, oh, can I can I use it to brainstorm the topic? And I use perplexity to do some research on some good sources. And I feed in an, an argument I'm making and ask it to point out the logical fallacy in there or point out a card counter argument. Um, and I think that's when we can start to have like amazing conversations with our students about like, here's how you can use this stuff to take your writing to a really, really uh, next level, um, level thinking level of writing. Um, but I think, I think right now everybody's too scared to even like talk about some level of that. Um, folks are like, oh, like it's either, you know, you can't use it at all uh, or we're just not going to talk about it. It seems to be the two most pervasive approaches. Um, yeah. Hopefully, it can get closer to that, right? Because I think it can really. It is. Yeah, I, I agree totally. It could be used as a tool. Early in my career, I had to make a decision as to whether or not I wanted to be a good learning designer and educator or a cop when it comes to to learning. Um, developed learning for a major retailer, right? And so the big pr- 
uh, thing that was going on. I was like, well, if they're taking the quiz, how do we know that there are not five other people right behind them also taking the quiz? And I piped up and I said, well, what's the, is, isn't there learning going on in that situation? Or isn't there some like learning that cross-functional social learning? And, and one of the things that we had to uh, come up with, now this is a long time ago, right? But one of the things we had to come up with is like, hey, we understand that that's going to exist, but the process and the understanding and the, um, oh, how long, the spirit of what we were trying to do was far more important than trying to police everybody and ensure that no one was cheating. So I find that really interesting because you're right. Like the first thing that I heard about when we started talking about AI, chat, GTP, oh my God, kids are going to cheat. Kids are going to cheat. Kids are going to cheat. Um, and then I also heard that fallacy of, ah, oh, no, two teachers have got this tool that's going to tell them that they're not cheating. And I think it's just a matter of, and maybe you can help us understand. So what, where is that focal point from a conversation perspective with our students about, hey, we live in an AI world now, because we do. Um, this is how we're going to approach learning moving forward, and it's going to be better. Um, and I think this comes down to answering the like question um, that I think we all have heard or asked ourselves in the classroom, um, which is like, why are we learning this? Um, I think that fundamentally, like getting to the point of answering that question for our students, helping them answer it for themselves, even um, will do will work way better than trying to figure out how to record a student's screen while they um, write the essay. Um, I think we need to do a better job of explaining to students exactly how these things that we think are important. And you know, I'm still a big fan of like teaching writing. Um, I think the process of learning how to write can dramatically change how someone thinks. Their ability starts to their thoughts to another human out loud. Um, but students right now, all they see is they're they're up at three a.m. They have essay due the next morning. Um, and they're worried about their grade. Um, and I think some of these conversations are going to cause us to have to shift um, those kinds of pressures we're putting on our students um, and get them to see, no, this essay I'm writing is so that I can like, better think through this process, come up with my own arguments, have a conversation with my peers and next teacher. Um, and I'm hoping, you know, this is, this is, this is all idealist. Like, if everything goes the way it needs to go, um, that, that is what I would be hoping that the conversations in our classrooms look like. Um, there are a million two reasons why that's take a while and it's difficult. Um, but I think that, that that really will be the only long-term solution to getting folks to, to see, like getting students to see like what, what the, what's going on? Why, why are we still doing this? Why am I even bothering? Um, and you know, get them to buy into that, that the entire idea. Of what I think, you know, it, it's, I think we're at such a point where like the, the education system as we know it, like has to, and I think this is what you're saying, basically has to like change, has to adapt. These, these tools are coming. You know, I'm old enough to have been told uh, that I, not to bring a calculator into math class and that it's not like I'm going to walk around with a calculator all the time. And, uh, well, oops, uh, we all do now. Um, it's a, not a fair question, but let me, let me ask you, like, what do you think the education system of 10 years looks like? Just a piece of it. Like, do you think that there's still this bulwark of anti-AI sentiment or do you see it like integrating more? And if you do, like, how are we measuring learning when so many of the common ways that we measure learning are now rendered moot? Yeah, um, there's a lot of different questions there. And so I'll try to yeah, go. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I got excited. Those, but, Pick one. Uh, no, no. And it, but this is, this is the fun stuff, right? Like, this is the conversation that we need to be having. So. Um, you know, I hope that in 10 years, like, we're anti-AI stance, I think, I don't think it's going to last much more than a year. Um, 
I think the pervasiveness of it across all tools, all industries. Um, I don't, you really, it's, you're not going to get around it. It's like anyone taking it as an internet's like stance these days. It's not really feasible um, or practical in any sense of the word, um, except maybe in some like, you know, niche isolated context. Um, and so I, I do think most schools will have embraced AI in some way or another. Um, I think we'll see really problematic ways of embracing it. So we'll probably see surveillance of students. We'll probably see um, more problematic, like uh, punishing discipline uses of AI. Um, we'll see some really cool ways to like help students kind of like take whatever learning journey they want to take. So um, one of the fun things that I hope happens is that students kind of explore their interests along with. And so um, if you really have to learn about like the Supreme Court, maybe the AI system can kind of like show you a Supreme Court case that's relevant to your interest and still help you learn how the Supreme Court works. Um, and not everybody has to learn the exact same case, uh, maybe for that exact purpose. Um, but I also think that there's there's going to be a difference in how we like even think about what we're teaching, why we're teaching. Um, and I think those questions, I don't know if it's going to make it 10 years. Like, I think this is going to have to happen much earlier. Um, and I, you know, I hope it happens much earlier because otherwise I think we're doing a disservice to our students. Um, but I think we're going to have to start thinking about like, what, what is the end goal? Like, we, we have never been able to predict what the world that our students will inherit like. Um, but like, there's been something, right? Like, we kind of have some idea about like what the world will, will have looked like, um, would have looked like, um, you know, four years from now, eight years from now, depending on what, what, what level you're teaching. Um, but I think that this is like the least, amount of prediction, like the least predictable future uh, ahead of us right now. I think that we have no clue what careers will exist. We have no clue um, what kind of industries will survive, which ones will become um, really like popular. Um, and I think that given that all, all that unknown, I think like framing education as like career preparation um, ways of life, I think it's going to start to phase away, like fade away. Um, I'm hoping that we can kind of start thinking about education as like, how do we make students like be learn how to be happy and learn how to talk to other humans, interact and make their lives like robust uh, no matter what they're end up doing um like how can we make them lifelong learners and not necessarily you know hold it on like you need to build this skill set so that you can like, graduate and get a job. yeah um, no i and, love that I yeah love that. using yeah. ai to help shape the le- level of learning like hey this is how you learn this is this is the, the first steps you take this is how you get from point a to point b right like i love that and and the way that our education system can then rather than teaching the skill set teach you how to get there. I, I love that. I love that. I, I hope maybe in the future, future educators will see that and, and use AI as a tool and be able to like, tailor experiences to our learners and help them succeed. Um, one of the things that I find really exciting ab- about AI tools is that it has given me to do the ability to do things that I could never have done before. Right? I'm not an artist, but in a matter of moments, and granted, Dolly three's got a way to go. Like nine times out of ten, and the prompt is nowhere even close to what I asked it to do. Right, but I can still create things, and then the creative part of me gets really, really cool. So this opportunity of, hey, use this tool to create something. And you think about the, you think about social studies, things like that. They use these tools to create a video of Abraham Lincoln talking about this or that. The next thing, like the learning, the process of utilizing those school tools in my humble opinion, it reinforces the learning, but also teaches them valuable skills that they could use moving forward. You know, and a lot of us, I know for me, myself, like I'm self-taught in almost everything. Nobody, I didn't go to school and learn how to do PowerPoint. All of a sudden it was there and I had to figure it out. Right. So those kinds of things I think are super opportunities in, in the, that we can talk not only to our educators about, but our students as well. 
yeah, there's there's also really cool things to think about like how we can view like interact with the world differently. Um, I was like, you know, walking through some like pyramids and that's out of Mexico City. Um, and I had like chat GPT, um, the voice version in my AirPods. Um, and I was able to like have a conversation and ask questions about like, oh, I'm looking at this. What might this be? Or how do they do this? Or, you know, like it was just like, and I was like, this is, this is an amazing thing. Like normally if I wanted to look these things up, I would have gone, I was like, gone back home, like checked them on the internet. If I was lucky enough where like, you know, I had maybe something, um, accessible. I'm still like in my phone reading, looking down at it, having just put in the search terms, like look at it while I'm like not fully, um, present. But I got to kind of just, like look around, walk around with these little AirPods in my head with like ChatGPT talking to me. Um, and I learned so much. I learned way more than I ever have at a historical site before. Um, and I hope we can kind of, kind of like show students that there's like, there's really good reasons to learn these things that learning can be enjoyable. Um, and it's like so much, so much more accessible. So like if we can show them how to use these technologies for things like that, where they're kind of get to explore their interests and they're not, you know, it should be like Mayan ruins. Um, but whatever their interest might be. Um, I think there's really cool ways to like start thinking about where, how might I use, how to learn about the things I want to learn about, do the things I want to do about it, but I might not have skills. I think those are all, um, really interesting conversations. So you had your own Jarvis, you had your own personal Jarvis. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. You know, um, for years I've been in corporate L and D and I really think leaders and L and D professionals get excited when you talk about like on-demand learning. That's like been a buzzword and I've seen lots of attempts at it, but I'll be honest, I've never seen a successful attempt. I've always seen like, Hey, here's this library and we've partnered with like this company or this company produce like 1100 courses and students can just go and get what they need. And then students don't student, uh, you know, like, it's like, Oh, I, I can go click on this and do it. But one, I need time Two, like, I, I, I need the drive, you know, I need the, the will skill and knowledge and, I don't have the will, so I'm not going to worry about it. It's not being given directly to me. It's not a directive, so I don't know what I don't know. But I, I feel like this the AI and it entering into the educational space gives us that ability to produce like real, true, adaptive learning curricula and agendas where like I can come in and be like, it can like say, hey, what do you know about this? And I can type up, I know this and I know that, I know this. And it's like, okay, great. <clears throat> I'm going to send you these, I need you to read these articles and I want you to like come back and talk to me about these things. And we can have like truly adaptive, individualized learning plans. And I, I hope the same thing happens in the public education space. Um, I was terrible at math, just the worst. And, you know, I had lots of great and amazing teachers try over and over and over again, but it wasn't until I got out of school and started looking at like the things that math does, the things that you can do with math, like the weird stuff that I was just like, oh, oh, math is cool, you know? And, you know, how how could my teachers at the time have known that that would have been the thing that would have like gotten me excited about math? Well, they wouldn't have known because I didn't know. But I feel like an AI would have been able to suss out like, hey, you should look at these things. And if you want to get there, here's the path you have to take to get there. Yeah, I, you know, like, I wonder sometimes when I'm sitting here thinking about it, like, from perspective of like, oh, can we get students to like, think about learning that way, right? Like, even something like math, um, you know, well, oftentimes when someone says, well, I learned this, the kind of conversation ends up being like, oh, like, here are the careers that it opens up, like, here's like, what you what classes you can take in the future. Um, but if we start telling them, like, you might see the world, differently, right? Like, after you learn a certain level of math, you might walk around, like, seeing numbers on a screen differently, seeing um, shapes in the environment differently. 
Um, and I think that's true for almost everything we learn. I think that there's there's intrinsic reasons to learn these things that can change like how we interact with the world that have nothing to do with like tangible like career goals necessarily. Um, and even if AI can do all of these things, there's still really good reasons for us to learn how to do it. Um, so that we can feel that joy, that exact joy that you're talking about, like after having learned, um, like being able to recall those math concepts. Um, I, I, that's, you know, that, that to me is again, like, that is the ideal, um, like environment in which we are teaching students. I have, um, I have a follow up that's maybe it's an unfair question, but it's, it, it is like a, it's a fear and a worry. And maybe, maybe this belonged when we were talking about pervasive myths, but I know I just, I just read a study and I'll, I'll find the link to it so we can link it in the show notes, but where basically they talked about students who had, this is going to sound terrible, who had maybe not the best facilitator, but a facilitator who was like pushing them, not answering questions, not offering up material, but making them go dig for answers versus, uh, versus students who had like amazing facilitator an amazing facilitator who's like, was like giving them information, handing it to them. Um, when, when they asked the students like, Hey, how did you feel about like these two classes, the students who had the, the rude professor, the, maybe the not best facilitator professor were like, Oh, I didn't like it. I didn't have a great time. I don't feel like I learned anything. And the students who had the facilitator who was like there and was a font of knowledge and like was able to open up and like, and have like answers on hand said, I love it. I wish, I wish all my classes were like this. This is great. But when we tested them. Or when they were tested, the test showed that the students who had to struggle had better retention. They learned more. And the students who had the, the professor who was just offering up answers and was there to like support them learned less. Um, do you think that's a thing that's a danger in, in the AI space where we will have a bunch of ready-to-go, ready-to-handle knowledge, and because of that, we'll devote our brains to other things? Yeah, um, this is this is a real concern, I think. And I think we've like we can already see some signs of it. There's like also really good evidence about like our spatial reasoning versus Google Maps. Um, like we yeah. definitely have like way worse spatial reasoning than our ancestors and even like our grandparents um, did. Um, and I think just like thinking through like as we rely more and more on technology to do certain things for us, um, our own skill sets and those things do get weaker. Um, and I think this is where like we have to be really like deliberate about when we introduce these technologies that what extent we introduce them at. Um, is it like, do we, you know, the, the calculator is a great example here. Like, you wouldn't, and, and my go to example is like kindergartners aren't doing calculators to do like basic arithmetic. Um, but you wouldn't stop like a 12th grade calculus student from using a calculator to do basic arithmetic. Um, but that's because they've already like had the chance to develop those, that skill set at least initially. Um, but I think what you're talking about is also just like, and Google Maps is that example, right? Is that like, this isn't yeah. just like about the schooling system. It's like, it's beyond that. It's about us as like humans, regardless of like within a school context or not. Um, like our ability to do these things, um, what, what does that mean? And, um, you know, I'm hoping that there, there are some like benefits from this too. So like, for example, be, like you're, you have to ask really good questions or to get really good output. Um, and that might be part of the learning process for a lot of folks. I think they have to, like asking questions is an important part of that process. Um, and then I'm hoping that there's other skill sets we're developing that might maybe compensate for the skill sets that get weaker. So, um, we might become even more robust thinkers. We might become even more robust uh, using language. Um, if we can have some like aid and tools that kind of get us there, um, and then like right, like there's the question of like what what are these what is, of these things are necessary and which are not um, like spatial reasoning. I still sometimes am like walking around a city. Uh, but I'm like maybe I kind of wish that like I hadn't used Google Maps the last time I was here because I could probably like navigate it a little bit more easily. Um, and so then like you know, I might go back and not use it. But 
Um, I think those kinds of things are going to be decisions that like we have to empower us to be making. So they need to know themselves well enough to know that like they shouldn't use it as a tool um, because it's affecting them in a way. Um, and all, all this requires like such high levels of like introspection and like metacognitive skills. Um, but I, I'm hoping we can focus on developing. I think that that's what our school systems can maybe do for us um, in the long run. Love that. You know, I um I just recently had to take a trip to Pennsylvania, and I hadn't been in more than a decade. And it was funny because I remembered the route to get there. I hadn't driven in a decade, but also I hadn't used like Google Maps to get there the last time I drove there. And so like it was fuzzy, but like, oh, okay, I think I, I think I take like 514 when I get to Maryland. Yeah, okay. All right, cool. And like I, I was able to like navigate to like my my relative's house almost with no use from Google. Uh, but just today I had to get across town to get to a restaurant and I've been there four or five times. And I'm like, man, how do I get there? I'm just going to turn on Google Maps just to be safe. You know, it's uh, it's a great example. Yeah. yeah. Although, you know, Julia Phelan would remind us that learning needs to be hard, Daniel. Needs to be I, some challenge in yeah. order to make learning stick. So I, I hear you right there. I think that yeah. that's always been true no matter what our technology is. Um, one of the things that I want to, as we, one of the things that I want to chat a little bit about is this idea of ethics, right? So we're walking into this really unknown space. And in that space, I think ethics is an important part of the conversation. Like, how do you frame up ethics um, to both sides of the audience when we're talking about AI? Yeah. Um, you know, this is this is where like my philosophy background comes out really strong. Um, I think there's so many different angles to think about ethics and AI right now. Um, and I think, you know, even like the plagiarism cheating angle is an ethical issue. Um, there's integrity issues there. Um, thinking about like copyright and intellectual property is another interesting conversation here. Um, but also there's like ethics of like the bias, uh, biases that these algorithms are perpetuating, the data sets that go into them. Um, and all these conversations need to happen, right? Like these students need to know like what kinds of things they're exposing themselves to, how to be better critical, and, uh, both like consumers and eventual producers, right? Like they, they, these students will be the ones shaping the future of knowledge. So we kind of need to show them what the harms of like perpetuating like societal biases within these systems. Um, we need to think about like the bias, like the ethics of like the environmental costs of these technologies, right? Like um, the amount of like resources they use um, is enormous. And so as we're like facing a massive climate crisis, um, we need to be able to navigate like what, where, where are we, you know, what decisions are we making about what kinds of costs we're willing to take on um, to make this technology more accessible and widespread. Um, but the, you know, there's like, there's angles about the ethics for, um, there's various ethics angles here um, that kind of like also you know, relate to each industry. And so um, there might be questions about like facial recognition or mortgage loans or, um, you know, for diagnosing a patient or how much AI should be in a class. And I think that the, all these ethical questions that will come up, um, do we implement UBI or not? Um, right? Like, I think there's there's so many important questions that AI kind of asks, forces us to ask. Um, and I think this is where, like, we need to just, like, start having these conversations for our students. They learn how to have the conversation, right? Like, it's not a matter of, like, oh, like, do they know the ethical issues relevant to, like, facial recognition softwares? Um, but it's like, can, do they have enough practice thinking about these things critically enough? Do they know which, like, forms of knowledge to um, call on do they have the critical reasoning skills to, like you be able to think about this the next time a, ne- a new ethical issue um, and i think unfortunately the answer is that like we we don't do that at a robust level um, right now um at the k-12 level at least um and hopefully we can start think, sitting down and thinking through okay our students really need to be really critical thinkers when it comes to ethical issues um because some of the things that will always be in human territory will be the decision making that we make in society right like 
the chances that we in the near future start offloading like major ethical decisions to AI algorithms um, is probably less than um, we we'll, we'll probably rely more fleet on humans. Um, and so we need to make sure that our students have, a, have the skills to do that. I think those conversations work. Definitely, definitely. And um, one of the other things about ethics and AI is when we do the the machine learning, uh, we do like rate and humans that rate those and they, they give their own bias. So having like a larger sample size of whoever's doing that and making sure that you cover all the bases, I think is very important too. Right. And it's also about the labor that goes into it. Like, yeah. who's, like who are those folks? Are they being compensated yeah. fairly? Like all those things are also really important ethical um, issues that these algorithms bring. Definitely. Definitely. Well, we're getting to that time where we're going to have to start thinking about wrapping up. But before we do, Preet, I wanted to give you the opportunity to go ahead and is there anything that's really, really important when it comes to this discussion that we haven't had an opportunity to talk about that you wanted to share with our audience? Um, I think that just like maybe the summation of all of this might be that I think like taking some time for all of us to think about um, why learning can be fun and useful and intrinsically good um, is going to be the key to answering all of these questions for us in the future. And so um, I got to give that example of like using AI in my ear to like navigate the, the ruins, um, but I, I didn't use it for like Spanish, right? So I was, I was like, I tried to use the level of Spanish I had um, from college um, to navigate because there was a certain joy felt by like being able to talk naturally with another human um, by being able to either like, you know, in broken language maybe, um, but still be able to have that conversation, not have it mediated by AI. Um, and I think this is, these are the kind of things we need to start having like really open conversations about that. Um, sure, AI can write a poem, but did it really like, did, when you read it, um, versus a poem you read by a Holocaust survivor, like you have, right, they cause a different emotional response to you. So um, I think those kinds of conversations about like, wh- why is learning, why is consuming this kind of, kind of information and knowledge? Um, how can it be fun? Why can it be intrinsically good? Um, I hope that that's, that's where we're headed. That's what we're doing. Great discussion, timely discussion, super stuff. Thank you so much. Preeton, could you do me a favor? Could you let our audience know how they could connect with you? Yeah, um, we would love everybody to follow our Instagram at Pedagogy Cloud. Um, we post lots of updates there, news updates, um, prompt tips, all, everything you need to know about how AI um, influences education. Um, and then uh, definitely check out the book. Um, it kind of gives you a wide overview um, of all the kind of different things that you kind of start thinking about, um, some of which we talked about today, uh, which is AI in the future of education, teaching at the age of official. Okay. Thank you, sir. Great conversation. Really appreciate you on. Danielson. Yes, Scott. Could you do me a favor? Could you let our audience know how they could connect with us? Absolutely. All right, party people. If you haven't already, email us at nerds at thelearningnerds.com. Ask us any questions you may have. Tell us if and how you're using AI and how you would feel if a student of yours used AI to answer the questions you ask. I think that'd be an interesting quandary. Uh, if you're on Facebook, you can find us at Learning Nerds for all of our Instagram peeps, Fab Learning Nerds. And lastly, for more information about us, what we do, and updates, www.thelearningnerds.com. Scott, 
Hey, thanks, Dan. I really appreciate it. Hey, folks, could you do me a favor? Just go ahead and hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, share this really informational podcast with your friends and with your kids, for crying out loud. Great stuff there. If you could also do me a little small favor, just go ahead. If you're on iTunes or Stitcher or any place where you can leave a review, leave us a review. We'd really love to hear how we're doing. Um, And I'll let you in on a secret. The AI bots, yeah, they use that to help spread information, all the great information to more of people just like yourself. And with that, I'm Scott. I'm Dan. I'm Zeta. And we're your fabulous learning nerds, and we are out. Thanks for listening to the Fabulous Learning Nerds. You know, there are a lot of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention. Meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment of offerings. If you're, if you're thinking of giving it a try, if you think it would give it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com BE.